Thank you for joining us today. As Associate Pastor Paul shares the Word of God, our prayer is that your life will be touched by the Spirit of Almighty God and constant, powerful truths that can be applied to your everyday life. Let's join Associate Pastor Paul with today's message. I want to welcome you to Wednesday Night Church Part 3 of Making God's House Stronger. If you're joining us by podcast, we're glad you're joining us uh, tonight. We're going to dive right in to what we've been talking about. You know, church, God is calling us to be salt and God is calling us to be a light. That's very clear as we look at that in Scripture. God wants us to be people that affect the world. He wants us to be people that bring about change in our communities. And if we're going to be in the place that God has for each one of us to be, we have to be prepared for transitions. Transitions and change are a part of life. They're not always easy. They're not necessarily always welcomed, but they are a natural part of the ebb and flow of life. That's just the way life works. In Luke chapter 5, I want to point you toward an encounter uh, that took place when Jesus was beginning to call his disciples. So Jesus was out, and he was down by the ocean shore at the boat docks, and a lot of the fishing boats were lined up, and Jesus comes walking through, and and in Luke chapter 5, verse 3, it says, and he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little way from the land. Now, here's something that was really peculiar to me that stuck out, and I want you to see. Jesus did not ask permission to get into Peter's boat. He just got in his boat. And then he said, hey, why don't you shove off from land a little ways here, and then I'm going to begin to preach to the people what God has put on my heart, but he didn't ask. And church, I I want you to understand and I want you to know that Jesus is going to treat your boat as if it was his boat. Amen? See, he's not going to ask you permission to get in the boat of your life because all of us here tonight, we, we understand that we are not our own. Can I have an amen? See, we've been bought with a price. We are owned by our master. And he is in charge of everything that we do and everywhere that we go. As a matter of fact, you know, when you think about responding to a Lord or you think about responding to a master, really the only response that you can give is, yes, master. Yes, Lord. Your wish is my command. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. So we're talking about transitioning, making God's house stronger, our theme this year, stronger and stronger from the book of Job, moving our church forward. But for our church to move forward, we must all as individuals gain a revelation of our position that God has strategically placed us in for our generation. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that tonight here a little later. But the longer I think that we've been in one spot doing the same thing, the harder it is to accept change. Because you, you, you and you know, it just naturally happens. Just, just drive a car down a dirt road. 
over and over and over and over and over and it rains and and over time you begin to form what ruts and the ruts over time get deeper and deeper and you know I used to be in a four-wheel drive club when I was growing up and I had a jeep a cj5 had big mud tires on it we'd go four-wheeling all the time on the weekends and there were trails that we often rode in some of the areas that we would go mudding and when there were heavy rains these ruts would begin to get deeper and deeper and after you had lots and lots of different vehicles going down these same roads these ruts would get very very deep and as a matter of fact they got so deep that you wanted to avoid them because if you got in one of them you might not get out of them because they became so deep and I think the same thing can happen in our own personal lives, going through a pattern of doing the same thing over and over, going through the church routine. That's my seat. This is my routine. This is how I do things. Don't mix things up. Don't change things. You know, even this year, as our church has begun making changes, I don't know if you've recognized and noticed. Some of you are like, yes, I've recognized and noticed, and I hadn't liked any of it. <laughs> I haven't liked not one part of it. And then there's others of you, you've been like, man, this is fantastic. I love everything about it. Let's keep making it happen. That's my personality. But that's not everyone's personality. But we have to understand, when we come to a place where we are comfortable, every need met, every challenge surmounted, and the pattern of our life seems to be set, you can know at that moment, that's when God's going to come in and say, let me in your boat. Push out from the shore, leave the place that you have parked your life, and shove off into waters that you do not know. That's where the Lord's going to take you. And you know, it's amazing when we find ourselves in that situation, you begin to think of every reason in the world why this can't be God's will for your life. Have you ever been there? When change begins to come and God begins to tap you on the shoulder and tells you, you know what, we're about to change everything you've been doing. We're gonna mix it all up. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, God. Don't, don't, be, don't be stirring the chocolate. Leave it alone. It's settled. It's on the bottom. You know, I don't wanna mess with it. But that's not how God works. Because, because the boat is our comfort zone, church. And I want to focus a little bit on this tonight because your comfort zone is the place where visions die. You get yourself in a routine of thinking the wrong thoughts, responding the wrong way, going through a ritual of doing the exact same thing. And God has made us creatures of habit. And habit can be a very good thing for example i don't have to remember to retie my shoe every morning which is awesome but then there are other habits that can become very dangerous and they can cause us to become stuck see once you set your mind to fulfill god's vision it's going to require you to push your boat off of the shore of the familiar can i have an amen and go out into waters that you're not used to take in your boat in. And as a matter of fact, Jesus most likely is going to tell you to go to a place that you may have never been before, to do something that you've never done before. <clears throat> the boat is the place of being lukewarm. You know, Jesus, 
he brought some encouragement to the churches in Revelation. But he also brought some correction. In one of the churches, he said to them, you become lukewarm. You, you've lost your, your passion for your first love. And you know, I think that church is the church of America. Because the church of America has become very comfortable. Now, I think that this sleeping giant called the church is beginning to be stirred because we're starting to lose our liberties and our freedoms. And we better get stirred because if we don't, it's all going to be taken and stolen from us. And we're not going to have these opportunities that we have here the way that we have them. Your comfort zone is being lukewarm. It is the place where visions die. It's the place where your yearnings crumble under all talk and no action. And God is looking for people who don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. They, they put feet to the faith that they profess. See, lukewarm means not making a difference. Ask yourself this question, and, and I mean, I, I know you're like, Paul, man, you started out really brutal. You're stepping on our toes. Well, I mean, I'm not meaning to step on your toes. I'm, I'm meaning to, you know, bullseye you right between the eyes. I mean, that, that's, that's my goal because all of us need to be challenged. Now, I love, work, I love working with college-age young people. They're different than older adults. They love being challenged. They want to be challenged. They want to be pushed. But as you and anybody, as you are in a position doing the same thing for any period of time, you can begin to become comfortable with where you are. Jesus is calling us to go out on the water of sacrifice and service for him. The question is, will we be the generation that answers that call? <clears throat> now, I think about them being in the boat and the storm came. We're all familiar with the story about the disciples being in the boat. Jesus actually told them to get in it and go over to the other side, fully aware that they were going to encounter a storm halfway across the lake, which is really curious. Jesus told them to get into the boat knowing that they were going to encounter a storm. Well, that'll mess with your theology a little bit. But nonetheless, they get out there, a storm comes, here comes Jesus walking on the water, everybody's terrified, they think it's a ghost, and, and <laughs> rightly so, <laughs> you know. And Jesus is there and Peter sees him and he says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come out on the water. And what did Jesus say? Come on. Peter climbed out of the boat and Peter began to walk to Jesus on the water. What an amazing thing. Now let's just fast forward life and get these disciples up into their grandparenting years. Now they're older men, they have their grandchildren around them, 
It's a Sunday afternoon after church is over. They've had lunch. Peter's sitting around, and he begins to retell the story. Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us a story about you and the disciples out in the boat and Jesus. And boy, he begins to tell the story, and he says, and, and you know what, kids? Jesus, he told me to come out on the water, and you know what I did? I climbed out of that boat, and I walked on water. It was awesome. And they're like, no way. And he's like, yes way. And they're like, oh my gosh. And it's amazing. And he's able to tell this story, and they're just like, wow. And then there's the other disciples. And they're with their grandkids. And they're recalling the story. And they're telling their grandkids about Jesus walking on the water and Peter walking on the water. Everybody's excited because they're sharing what took place that day. But eventually one of the grandkids are going to ask the inevitable question. Grandpa, why didn't you walk on the water with Jesus? Why didn't you get out of the boat like Peter? And walk on the water with Jesus. And I think that's when it really hit home for those guys. Because that was something that they could never go back and change. That was established forever. That Peter walked on water and they didn't walk on water. And they began to recount of the glory of Jesus on the water and Peter on the water. And them in the boat. And probably some of them were thinking, I even told Peter, Peter, are you crazy? Don't get out in that water. You're going to drown. Look at the storms all around you. We don't even know if that's Jesus. It's probably a ghost, an aberration or something. Might even be a demon. Stay in the boat. And I'm sure they're thinking now, I should have been the first one out of the boat. I'm sure that's what they're thinking. I, 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 I should have not waited for a better time. I should not have waited for a better time. I knew God was urging me, and I missed my opportunity to obey. Church, Jesus is beckoning us to come. I remember years ago when I was 25 years old, and I met the Lord when I was 23. I gave my heart to Christ. My life was completely changed. I left Texas, I came to Arkansas at the age of 23, didn't know anyone here. I started going to Bible college right here out of our church, and God began to change my life in radical ways. Went through the two-year program, graduated, went to work for a man who went to church uh, here at our ministry, did air conditioning and refrigeration for him for a number of years. And I remember Pastor Tim coming to me in 1993 and he asked me if I would come on staff here in the ministry. Our pastor began pastoring here in 1992. And at the time that he asked me, I was working for a guy who owned a restaurant supply and repair company who was a minister himself. He was actually a pastor of a church. And the Lord didn't release me at that time to go work here at the ministry. <clears throat> and a year later, the Lord told me, it's time. And at the time that our pastor had given me the opportunity to come on staff, he said, well, I just want you to know anytime you're ready, the invitation is open. 
Well, it just got to the point to where it was ridiculous for me not to be here because I was pretty much here all the time anyway. Anytime, because I, you know, I, that church was what I did. You know, Jesus had, had delivered me. Jesus had set me free. You know, the Bible says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. In church, I was forgiven of so much. And I was so on fire for the Lord. I wanted to serve him in any possible way I can, and it didn't really matter to me. I didn't teach, I didn't preach, I didn't sing, I didn't lead, I didn't do any of those things. What I did was, is I came and I helped weed eat, and I helped sweep, and I helped pick up paper off the floor, and I put a bottle of water under the podium, and I did what I could do to serve. That's what I did. But I could not not serve. I was propelled and compelled by the love of God to serve. And it just got to the point where I was here all the time. It just made sense that I would come on staff and God moved me into that position. But I remember I made a whole lot more money. I made more money in mileage than I made in a whole month working here. I made more money just in mileage on my truck, on my tax discount in one month than I did what I made here in one month. I could make more in one and a half days on the weekend what it took me three or four months to make here when I came on staff. But God had called me. And God has called all of us and there has to be a passion in our life that's greater than money, that's greater than possessions, that's greater than technology. There has to be a passion in our life that is fueled by fulfilling the eternal. Can I have an amen? amen. Pursuing what God has called us to do. You know, tonight I, I just want to use the analogy of these guys being in the boat to really give kind of an example of different types of personalities. So I'm gonna give three different kinds of people tonight in this story that were in the boat. Sitters, sinkers, and walkers. Sitters, sinkers, and walkers. Now we all fall into one of these categories. Each and every one of us here in this room tonight, we will fall into one of these categories. And we may migrate from one category into another category, depending on the seasons and the things that are going on in our lives. Let's talk about sitters. Why do sitters sit? Well, I think probably one of the biggest reasons that sitters sit, just in my experience, is they have no revelation of their divine purpose. You know, when God saved me, I got a huge revelation of my divine purpose. Because I had people that began to pump the word into me and tell me that I was somebody. That God had a plan for my life. That God wanted to use me, little old insignificant me from a broken home and a broken dysfunctional family that God wanted to use me to be a difference maker in his church. And you know what? I was just crazy enough to believe it. I actually believed that what God said was true, and I dove into it wholeheartedly. I think about Jeremiah, and if you want to turn there, you can. I want to use this passage, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah 
And we're going to start with verse 4 because this is when Jeremiah was called by God and he was young when God called him. And he says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now God's saying this to you tonight. Because this is for all of us in this room. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Here come the excuses. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. There's that fear. For I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and he touched my mouth and he said, look, I put my words in your mouth. See, God's put his words in our mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and some you must tear down. Some you must destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And God called Jeremiah from a very young age to be his man, to fulfill his mission. God called Jeremiah to get out of his seat, to stop making excuses, and to walk into what God had destined him to walk into. In church, I believe, and I mentioned that I would talk about this, I believe without an ounce of doubt in my body, I'm 100% certain that God has birthed you into our world at this time for this generation, very strategically, for this moment in time, for God to use you to make a difference. And when I get out of the bed in the morning, I say, God, use me today. Send me. Give me my divine appointments. Set me up for those moments, for those encounters. Let the words that come out of my mouth be anointed words that bring life. You know, I think about all of the young people sitting over here in this section. And, you know, as you guys go through school or you go through college or you're at work and God's placed you in these strategic positions with your friends and your uh, co-workers and different people that you encounter and you run into. And what a divine opportunity that God has given you. But how easy it is to miss that divine opportunity if you don't have a revelation of God's divine purpose for your life. See, sitters talk about their inabilities. God spoke to Jeremiah, told him what to do. Very quickly, Jeremiah formulated a, a, an excuse. He had his comeback. I'm too young. I can't speak. I'm not your guy. I can't do it. I can't get out and do what you want me to do. But see, when you know who you are in God's eyes, when you get a revelation of who you are in God's eyes, you know that God will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Because I firmly believe what God calls us to do, God equips us to do. Now, when I first started here, I had never preached. I had never honestly even thought about preaching. 
We have young people that come through our internship at Leaders Academy, and immediately the first thing they'll tell me is, I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. I'm supposed to be a worship pastor, a children's pastor, or a pastor of a church. They have this vision in their heart. Praise God. I never even thought about that. That never even entered my mind. But what did enter my mind is what I could do that was set before me that day. That's what entered my mind, and I think that's what God is looking for. See, when God calls you, God transforms you in the process of serving. But that's why you have to step out of the boat, because you'll never have a transformation into what God has called you to do if you allow your inabilities, your doubt, and your insecurities hold you back from stepping into what God has called you to do. You know, I think about Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Moses is out and he's taking care of some sheep. He hears the bleeding. He goes into this cave. The Holy Spirit leads him in there and then he has this incredible burning bush example. Y'all remember that? And then God begins to speak to Moses and he says, Moses, I've, I've called you, bro. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And the first thing out of Moses' mouth wasn't, let's do it, God. I'm ready. First thing out of Moses' mouth, me? Are you kidding? Me go to Pharaoh. <laughs> that's a good one, God. I mean, that's funny. And he begins to make all of these excuses to God. And if you read that passage, all of the sudden, God gets miffed. Who made man's mouth? That's what God said. Who created all that you see? Who do you think you are making this about you and your inabilities when it is really about me and my unlimited ability? In church, that's what we have to focus on tonight as we're entering into 2017, we have to focus on not our fear, our fear of our inabilities or what we can't do. What we have to do is we have to focus our attention on what we know God can do, and we begin to walk into what God has called us to do. And that may be lead a Bible study. That may mean you hooking up with just one. In, well, you can't say that word. Sorry, guys. I'm not supposed to say hook up in this generation. That's a, that's a, that's a bad term. I just dated myself. We connect or whatever you call it now and have somebody over and we begin to disciple them, one person in the Word or two people or go have lunch or go have a Coke or send a text or, or arrive early and greet people or walk through the sections of the church welcome, or volunteer in kids' church or student ministry or the nursery or whatever it may be. But if we're always talking about our inabilities and our inexperience, it will destroy the faith you have. I can't sing like them. I can't preach like them. I can't play like them. I can't talk like them. I can't lead like them. I can't, I can't, I can't. Faith says I can. Faith says I can do all things through Christ who gives me my strength. There were times 
that I stood in front of people when I was first learning to communicate, and I promise you, I thought I was going to pass out and die. Some of y'all have been here long enough to remember those times. It was terrible for me. It was awful. And I I know it had to have been awful for everybody that was listening, because it was a terrible experience for me. And I thought, God, I'm not called to do this. And God kept saying, yes, you are. And I said, God, you are mistaken. I'm not called to do this. And he said, well, Tim thinks you are. And I was like, well, that's not fair. That's kind of a low blow, God. And God says, listen, Paul, you, you are not what you used to be. You're not, you're not what you're going to be. But I'm taking you there. You just need to remain faithful to me and trust me in the process, and I will begin to develop you. See, sitters let fear superglue them to their seats. Fear of failure. Fear of making a mistake. Fear of looking dumb. Fear of not doing it the right way the first time. Fear of being put in a position and you look stupid in front of everybody. Fear of sinking. Fear of drowning. But see, Jesus, when he was walking on the water, he was doing something really crazy and outrageous that nobody had ever seen before. And it, and it, and it freaked him out. And it was like, uh, uh, uh. Y'all ever felt like that? Uh, uh. And I mean, you're like a deer in headlights. You just get so, so afraid, you get paralyzed. That's when you have to begin to meditate on who God says you are and go back to that revelation of why God appeared to you in the first place. Paul said, I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. And Paul spent his whole life pursuing that course. I think another reason sitters sit is they have no vision. Jeremiah didn't have a vision, but God said, I have this day. I have this day. I have this day. He didn't say tomorrow. He didn't say next week. He didn't say next year. He said this day. This is the day that I'm calling you. The next group is sinkers. Sinkers. And I want to encourage the sinkers in the room tonight because I've done my share of sinking and anybody that's led anything or tried to step out and do anything has sunk. I've done my share of it. But at least I'm not a sitter. At least I'm not a sitter. And you sinkers, you be encouraged. Because it's better than you spending your whole life sitting in a boat. Watching other people attempt to walk on the water and step out and do things for Jesus and be used by God in their generation. See, here's what I want all you sinkers to know. You may be a sinker, but you're not sunk. We all missed the mark. We all tried things and made mistakes. It says Peter began to sink, but before he was completely submerged, what happened? Jesus didn't let him drown. And Jesus is not going to let any of us drown. The point point is, you're never alone out on the water of faith with Jesus. Now, you may feel like that you have to have a snorkel and, and a scuba mask and you're swimming for your life. I understand that, but at least you'll learn to be a good swimmer. 
Hey, let me tell you something. I would rather fail trying than never have tried at all. I'd rather step out and attempt it and give it a shot than sit in the boat and never have tried. You got to be careful because there's a lot of things that will keep you in the boat and there's a lot of things that can make you sink. See, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. We all know what that's about. But I just want to take it just a little bit further because fault finding, critical attitudes, you get wounded in the act of serving. It's happened to lots of people. Offended, doubt sets in, fear, jealousy, anger. See, these attitudes will assign you a permanent seat in the boat if you're not careful. And the fact is, I would rather be a soaked, wet water walker than an old, dried-up prune of a sitter. And I want to encourage everybody in here, if you were hurt, if you were wounded, if you were offended, if something happened, be like Paul when that viper bit him from that fire. Shake it off. Your calling is too important for you to miss what God had put you on this planet to accomplish. There is something much more greater than our feelings at stake for fulfilling the kingdom of God. There's a world full of people that need to be in here. And the leadership is teaching and training. But the saints are the ones this must go in their workplaces. We're not around. David and I are rarely around lost people. We're here on campus. We're discipling. We're training. We're teaching. We're running schools. We're running internships. We're running the ministry. We rarely get to encounter people other than when we go to Walmart occasionally because I hate to go to town. But there we have a church full of people who encounter people every day. See, sinkers sometimes have to refocus. Sinkers sometimes have to make sure that they're looking at their source and not the storm, not the waves. But you want a surefire recipe to sink? Get your focus on people. Church, I, you know, I want you to know tonight, I love everybody in our ministry. I do. Some of y'all are a little harder to love than others, but I love everybody in our ministry. And I mean, you know, I'm just being honest. This is true. If we're all going to be really honest, that's, that's the truth. But I think you have to all understand that we're called to serve God, not people. And if your calling is to people, you're going to quit. Because people will hurt you, people will disappoint you, people will frustrate you, people will make you mad and angry, people will make you want to quit. But if you're doing it for the Lord... And you know that one day you will stand before him and you yearn to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that I have prepared for you. I'm going to tell you what, that'll make you rise up and overcome anything that anybody has ever or ever could do to you. See, focus your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Some of you tonight need to refocus you once were focused, 
but you need to refocus. And I'm really praying that 2017 will be a year for you that you can refocus, that you can begin to get your eyes back on Jesus and off of what happened in 2016 or 2015 or 1998 or whatever and begin to get your focus back on your Savior. Stop focusing on how far you've gone and focus on where God wants to take you. I think it's easy to begin to recount the good old days and stuff that we did a long time ago. And we talk about things that we did for Jesus 10 years ago or or 15 years ago. God wants you to tell stories of things you did for Jesus yesterday and a vision for what you have to do for Jesus next year. Who are you reaching out to? Who are you touching? Who are you affecting? It all starts with one. You don't have to go and stand up in front of hundreds of people and begin to preach, but if you want to, that's fine. There's lots of people in downtown Hot Springs. Hit it. But God wants us to be faithful with those in our pond. We don't have to go to the ocean. We just have to affect the people in our small pond each and every day. Turn your focus back on the Lord. The last group are walkers. Walkers. In Psalms 27, 24, David begins to talk about the beauty of God's temple, the beauty of God's tabernacle, and how much he loves the church. I've watched a lot of Christians attack the church, speak bad of their pastors and of their leadership. And I'm just telling you, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Not that those people are perfect people. They're not perfect people. But they're people that God has set in place. And most of those people didn't ask to be put in that position. That wasn't something that they necessarily wanted to do, but God called them to do it. You know, I think it's easy for us to see different anointings in Jesus' life, you know, as we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one of them present Jesus in a different way. Matthew shows Jesus as a king. Mark shows Jesus as a servant. Luke, uh, I mean, John shows Jesus as, as the son of God. But Luke, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And he focused on the human side of Jesus. And I think it's real easy for us to see in our leadership them leading the king, I think it's real easy for us to see them serving. I think it's real easy for us to see the divine anointing of God. But I think we really have a hard time seeing that people are people. And they have faults. And they miss the mark. Just like everyone else does. But church, if you're going to walk on the water, you're going to have to get plugged in. You're going to have to get plugged in. This is where you will develop relationships. This is where people will speak the wisdom of God, the direction of God, and the anointing of I've had more divine appointments in, in my lifetime in our church than any other place where people have come up to me. Come on, can I, can I have a, a raise of hands of people in here who've had people that you've had encounter with where people have spoken to your life and blessed you and helped you as a result of being here? See, this is where leaders and friends will help you walk where Jesus walks. Now, we know that when Peter got out on the water, he encountered a storm. 
And one of the things that you learn if you're going to be a water walker is that you are not storm free, but you are storm proof. You're not storm free, but you are storm proof. See, when you're doing God's will, the devil isn't happy about it. I mean, I was telling our interns, I think it was a couple today or yesterday, I don't know. I said, when I was lost, I wasn't a threat to the devil. He had no concern for me. He didn't need to attack me with legions of, of demons. I was doing a good enough job myself taking myself to hell. I didn't need any help. But the Bible says, when I got born again, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous light. And at that moment, you become a threat to the enemy. And at that moment, you become a target. See, when the children of Israel stepped off and over the Jordan into the land of promise, that's when they faced the Amalekite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Jebusite, all of these nations of people they begin to war against to take their possessions. And the devil will do whatever he can to deceive you, to put you in bondage, to destroy your life. That is his goal. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. That's what the enemy tried to do with my life when I was growing up. But then Jesus came, amen? And he said, but I have come. Come on, TC. But I have come that you might have life and that that life will be more abundant. That is the goal of Jesus. See, we are sealed with a Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says no weapon formed against us can prosper. And God calls walkers to new level. And every new level always has a new devil. Anytime you get ready to step out and do something bigger for Jesus, just get ready to expect greater opposition. He'll attack your children. He'll attack your mate. He'll attack your family. He'll attack your health. He'll attack your finances. He'll attack your mind. He'll do anything that he can to keep you from walking in the supernatural and affecting people's lives every single day that you get up. But we're not standing on our own, church. We have a great leader of the host of heaven's armies, Jesus Christ. He has made us more than conquerors through him. He has made us more than overcomers through him. See, walkers see the eternal over the temporal. See, those who sell out to God, they have a clear, strong grasp on the temporariness of this life. This life doesn't last long. We have a very short time to fulfill what God has called us to do. And the only thing that matters to water walkers is what benefits eternity. Every day when I get up, my motivations are, what's going to benefit eternity, not Paul? What's going to make a difference for God's kingdom, not mine? Because I'm not called to build my kingdom. I'm called to build God's kingdom. And I'm not saying that everybody in here needs to quit their job and go into the ministry. You are in the ministry. You're in the ministry right now where you are doing what you're doing. Your church is at your office. Your church service is at your college. Your church service is at your school. Your church service is around your family table with your wife and your children or your husband. That's your church. That's your ministry. That's what God has called us to. And when you step out of the boat, you begin to discover 
that doing what God has called you to do is the most rewarding, most fulfilling thing that you can ever do. Tonight as I close, I want to encourage you. The eyes of this generation are on us. All around the world, it's full of problems. All kinds of things are going on all around us. We have a world that is desperate for truth. They're lost. They're on a sea floating aimlessly without any direction, without any rudder, without any anchor. And my question for our church is, will you step out? Will you answer the call? And I'm not talking about you just jumping up and going off to, to Haiti or going off over here to some third world country and starting an orphanage. Now, if God calls you to do that, pack your bags and you better get ready to go. Because God's going to help you do whatever he calls you to do. But what I'm talking about is being faithful where you are right now. Somebody may need some tires on their car. Somebody needs somebody to send them a text. Somebody needs to have a meeting and pray and encourage another individual. Somebody needs you to help send them on a missions trip. Somebody needs you to come greet them Sunday morning when they're here at church. Some of you need to be involved in worship. Some of you need to be involved in volunteering in the, in the nursery, in the children's ministry, the student ministry, in our camps, in different areas. There are so many different outlets and different avenues that we can involve, be involved in volunteering at the hospitals and helping and doing. It's your turn to get up out of the boat, step out on the water with Jesus, and begin to fulfill what God has called you to do. Sitters, sinkers, and walkers, which one are you? I believe that we have a church full of water walkers. That's what I want to be. And when I hear God give that call, who will I send? Who will go for me? Boy, my hand goes up and I say, God, right here. Send me. I'll go. I'll do it. Come on, church, let's be those people that God can count on every day to do what he has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me tonight. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. He deserves it. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we just commit this time to you. We thank you, Father. Help us, Lord. God, we look to you. We're not doing it by ourselves. But God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict us. And God, that that conviction will move us to action. And God, that we will be the people that you use to bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and motivated by today's message. If you are interested in more messages by the pastors at CM Church, please log on to our website at www.cmchurch.com and click on our podcast link. You can also purchase series and other messages at our online store. 